Tonight we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 27, uh, verses 11 through 26, a very precious scripture. I was thinking tonight as, um, as I was driving in uh, to be able to stand beside you before the throne of grace tonight about the, uh, the depths of despair that the disciples must have been experiencing on the day that we're commemorating of the day that Jesus died on the cross. And then I thought that cannot be duplicatable. It is impossible for those that know about what's happening on Sunday to experience despair on Friday. Because we know that as dark as this episode in salvation history was, as cruel, as horrible, despicable as it was, we know why, don't we? And we know that uh, Sunday's coming. With that said, to the extent that we can, let's focus on what happened on the cross and the events that surrounded it. Matthew 27, please stand with me as we read God's holy word. Now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you've said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear the many things that they testify against you? But he gave no answer, not even to a single charge, so much so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner they wanted. And they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they gathered, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent a word to him, Have nothing to do with this righteous man. For I've suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd. Oh my. It was the most religious among them. Now the chief priest... And the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. 
And then Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And they all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more. Not Hosanna, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. This time, the crowd shouted out all the more, let him be crucified. So that when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this, of this man's blood. See to it yourself. Listen to what they said next. All the people answered, his blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them to Barabbas and having him scourged Jesus, they delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray together. Sometimes we forget, Lord, what it meant when your body was broken for us. And the part that our sin played in your death. Today, Lord, we acknowledge it. Today, Lord, we remember. Today, Lord, I ask that each of us may more clearly hear from your spirit as we study the scripture. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen. You may be seated. So when the Roman soldiers drove the spikes through the hands of Jesus. They were driving our sins onto that cross. I mean, we could, <coughs> excuse me, blame the religious leaders. <coughs> excuse me, we could certainly blame Pilate for his limp will. But ultimately, church, those were our sins that were nailed to the cross. When the crowd said, His blood be on our hands, I know they were saying, We will take the blame for it. But I ask you the question that our worship team asked you earlier what can wash away our sins? Aren't you grateful that his blood is on us? Not that we're guilty, not that we're the cause of it, for that I'm ashamed. 
but how he turns our shame into his glory. Because we know that the cross is simultaneously a symbol of despair and a symbol of hope. Despair in as much as it was cruel. It was a horrible day. It was a horrible death. But hope. Because our sin was nailed to the cross that day. Think about the day for just a moment. They, the religious leaders and the Romans that were in cahoots with one another, transferred him from one clandestine courtroom to another to achieve their goal. Their goal was crucifixion. It wasn't just that they want him dead. They wanted him humiliated. They wanted him shamed. And Pilate takes water and washes his hands. He dipped his hands into the laver. Like the ceremonial washings that the Jewish people did so that they would be clean before God. It makes me sick to my stomach just thinking about it. He takes the utensils of faith and he sticks his hands, this weak-kneed politician stuck his hands into that water and raised them declaring that he was innocent of the blood of this just person. Now there was nothing to keep the people from shaming and humiliating him. They took a cat of nine tails some say that he received 39 strokes because the scripture says that a man can't be beat beyond that because he might die from the beating. And I suppose if the whip was in the hands of a Jewish man following Jewish law, perhaps we would know that to be the case, but we do not know. Because it was in the hands of a Roman and nobody in the crowd was following Jewish law that day. It's a cruel, cruel tool of torture. The leather throngs from the whip in the hands of an expert executioner. would wrap around the victim's body. I'm sorry, I can't use the word victim to refer to Jesus here. He was not then and never will be a victim. In this case, it wrapped around the victor's body. And the stone would beat against his flesh and the pottery that was tied in would grab, would fish, fish hook his flesh. 
And when the executioner would pull it back, well, it wasn't a pretty sight. Hail, King of the Jews, they cried. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. The most vascular part of the body, they took that crown of thorns and stuck it on his head. And they spit in his face. I have a friend that I served in a church years ago that when he came home from the Vietnam War, the protesters, spat in his face when he got off the plane. Now this was a man that had flown combat duties with his helicopter. He was a valiant man. He was one of the bravest men I've ever met. I pastored a church that was a military church that was filled with brave men like him. He showed me, humbly showed me his decorations on the wall one day. They were impressive. I said, Brother Ron, what did you do? He said, I wanted to see my family. I walked past him. They spat on his face. Now Jesus had used his own spittle to put in the eyes of a blind man and he was able to see. They spat in his face. They mocked his holy name. They put a 300-pound cross on his back, and in his weakened state, he stumbled underneath the load. So Simon of Cyrene carried his cross for him. Well, he carried my cross. He carried your cross for him up the steep incline to his destiny. And then the soldiers ripped his robe off of his body. So that they could gamble for it. A couple things that I would draw your attention to. Imagine dried blood that was dried into cloth. And also know that so you, though you have seen many artists' depiction of Jesus on the cross, with a loincloth, His mother was there. And they raised his body up. 
Just as the serpent was raised in the wilderness, they raised his body up and they dropped the cross into his resting place. They were so cruel, using spikes instead of ropes. They took it to the max. There for six hours, before the ridiculing, mocking crowd, the one that had said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, just a few days ago before that crowd. He who knew no sin became sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake. Can you say those words with me, please? For our sake, for our sake. He became sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There he forgave our trespasses, and there he nailed our sin to the cross full wrath of God poured out on him. And the father turned his back on the son, refusing to look at the sin, our sin, that he had become. The earth trembled, the skies blackened, the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And Jesus said, it is finished. So my question is, why did he do it? Why, why did Pilate release a notorious criminal, Barabbas, and send Jesus to the cross? Well, he did it even knew, though he knew that Jesus was the king of the Jews. He says so in verse 11. And that Barabbas was a notorious criminal. He said so in verse 16. Pilate even knew that the, there were spurious accusations that had come from envious people. He says so in verse 18. They had no grounding in fact. Pilate's wife begged him to release Jesus, but he didn't listen to her. Verse 19. He knew he was an innocent man, verse 23, and yet Pilate chose to let the guilty go free and to kill an innocent man. Why? Well, I think one of the answers is he wanted to avoid an uprising. He saw what was happening with the crowd. He was not a very powerful political figure, but he was powerful and he had the decision to make, and he certainly didn't want to put that on his resume, right? A great insurrection. So I'm sure that he didn't want to lose his job. I'm sure all of that's there. You've heard those sermons before. I'm sure the preachers are right. I'm sure he was just a weak-kneed man and couldn't do the right thing. I want you to notice how he dealt with the issue. The first thing he tried to do was pass the buck. He wanted to take the easy way out and get the people to make a decision for him. He, 
He thought he could force them to not kill Jesus by saying, okay, you got a choice. You can have this horrible criminal, notorious criminal, be released. Or you can have, you know, the guy that heals the lame and gives the blind new sight and feeds the hungry. You can have Jesus. Remember the one that came into the city on the donkey, the king of the Jews? You can have him. I'm sure the clever Pilate thought all was well. In verses 16 and 17, he tries to pass the buck. I, but he, Pilate, was wrong about the crowd. He underestimated the extent of the religious leader's hatred for Jesus, and they stirred the crowd up against him. And so the first thing he tried to do is, well, you know, let somebody else make the decision for me. Second thing that he tried to do, or the second thing that he did that led to his uh, error in judgment was he didn't act on sound advice. His wife urged him to do the right thing, yet he ignored her. Now, in those days, to have a dream, it was thought that God was speaking directly to you in a dream, and from reading the scripture, that often happened. And so it was not simply that he should have trusted his wife, he should have trusted the fact that God had spoken to her, and he should have listened, but he ignored. He ignored that sound advice and plowed straight ahead into ignorance. I think it was also just his indecision. He wasn't man enough to make a decision for himself. And so he wouldn't follow the advice that his wife gave him. It's, it's interesting that the crowd gave him bad advice and his wife gave him good advice and he went with the crowd. Hmm. Third, Pilate asked others to make a decision that only he could make. In verses 22 and 23, he asked them, What shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Will you remember that question, please? It's an important question that I, in turn, am going to ask you in just a moment. He asked the crowd, Okay, if I'm going to release Barabbas, he's decided to ignore the advice of his wife, he's going with the crowd, then he's just saying, So what do you want me to do with Jesus? And they said, Let him be crucified. He says, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more. Let him be crucified. And then Pilate, in the greatest act of avoiding responsibility ever, he deluded himself into thinking that he was not responsible when he was. He takes that laver of ceremonial water. He dips his hands in it. He says, me, I'm pure. I'm clean. You want to do this horrible thing? Who am I to stay in your way? Well, who are you, Pilate? You're the one 
the only one that day that could make the final decision. Why did he do it? Well, bottom line, sure, he was coward. Sure, he was a politician. Sure, he was everything that you've heard that he is. I don't dispute any of it. Can I just call your attention to one fact? He was a sinner. Not unlike us. He did it because he ignored the consequences of his decision. I wonder, did he really think he could wash away his guilt with water? Did he really think that? Why did he do it? He did it because he loves us. Oh, I'm not talking about Pilate. Do you really think Pilate had anything to do with Jesus going to the cross? We understand that Jesus was born to die. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. When Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem and lived a perfect sinless life. When he healed the sick. When he gave sight to the blind. When he did his miracles. When he did his teaching. That was on a journey to the cross. He did all that on the way. That wasn't the purpose of him coming. He did that stuff because he was here. No one took his life from him. Not Pilate. Not the Roman soldiers. No one. Well, the Pharisees thought they were all that in a tub of butter, didn't they? They thought they had won. I wonder when the rocks began to shake. When the earth began to shake. I wonder when they heard about the resurrection, how they felt. He did it because he loved us. He did it because our sin had to be paid for. Atonement had to be made. The wrath of God had to be satisfied. He did it for you. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. And so, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you Pilate's question. What will you do with this man Jesus who is called the Christ? I suppose you could do the same things that Pilate did. You could just follow the crowd. Well, you know where that's going to take you, don't you? You can ignore sound advice like you're getting, frankly, from me right now.
You could say, oh, I'm not that bad. I'm innocent of the blood. You could do all of those things. But right now, today, you can say, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. May your blood be on me and our children. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord.